You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, I love uh, New Year's messages, and a lot of people, they're like, it's New Year's, it's going to be a New Year's message. Yes, yes it is. And uh, um, what I like about New Year's is, is that they force us to evaluate our life. I mean, a new year, new year, uh, new year, new you. Uh, and there's this sense that, you know, what in my life needs to change? How many of you would say, yeah, there's a few things that need to change in my life? Let me be honest with yourself. Yeah, there's a few things that could change. Raise your hand if you think there's a few things that could change. If you don't raise your hand, you're either lazy, you're a liar, or you're a lazy liar. I don't know, because... Every one of us has areas of change uh, They remind us that we can start over. I love that. They remind us that some things about ourselves could, could be better, uh, that it's never too late to begin again. They give us this, this chance, this opportunity to start all over again. I love that about New Year. This is uh, the first week of the New Year. And the, the time of the year when a lot of people, they make resolutions, New Year's resolutions. And these uh, uh, resolutions, um, they, they tell us, you know, uh, you know, the things about us that we want to try to do differently. Some typical New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to ask you yet if you have any of these. Uh, but some typical New Year's resolutions are fitness. I need, I'm going to, man, I'm going to take better care of myself. I'm going to sleep better. I'm going to exercise more. I'm just going to get better in shape. Uh, my love life is going to be better. You know, you think, man, my, my marriage, my friends, I'm not going to be single this year. I'm going to find somebody, you know, resolution, uh, money. I'm going to spend better. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to get a better job. Uh, and then some uh, resolution is, man, I just, I'm going to start going to church more. I'm going to, going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to try to pray more. Um, there's all these resolutions, you know, and, and personally, I like to think and pray about what God would have for me at the beginning of the year. I often think, well, God, what do you, what do you have for me? What are some things that that could probably be different that I could change? And those kind of resolutions become my, my goals. But I don't know about you. A lot of times our goals often end up on the corner of our desk, uh, or never started. Sometimes the more I resolve to change, the more I feel I failed because uh, come a couple months or two months or three months, I'm into the year and it's like, well, I guess I'll try in 2016, right? Uh, Usually by July, you're so full-blown into new bad habits that you've got a whole new list of resolutions for the next month, six months away. How many of you guys ever feel like resolutions are just a waste of time? Anybody at all? That's a lot of you. We do. And how many of you... Or don't raise your hands. But a lot of you raised your hands and said there's areas that need to change. But you feel like resolutions are a waste of time because there's just somehow a lack of the time that we, uh, we put into changing and the things that we know we need to change. There's a, there seems to be a gap. Well, let me tell you God's ideas of God and goals. God's goals like this. Jeremiah 29. Here's the scenario. Israel had a basically just been disobeying God and uh, Judah and Israel. And uh, they were basically overtaken by foreigners. They were overtaken by, by uh, a group of people, by the Babylonians. And they were uh, all taken as uh, slaves and they were marched out of their home country and exiled from their own land. And when that happened, they began to get back on their knees and they realized some things that needed to change in their life. 
And uh, so they called out to God. One of those books is called Lamentations, and they're just crying out. Lamentation means like crying. The whole book is him boohooing to God about how they're going to be different, how they need to change. And, and God began to answer them in Jeremiah in 29, verse 10. He says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. God says, I have a plan for you. And he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. He says, you may be in exile, you may feel lost, you may feel like uh, you've made a big mistake and that there's a lot of areas that need to change. But God says, even if it doesn't look like things are going good, I have a plan and it's a good plan, even if it doesn't look like it. And then he says, verse 12, uh, then... He says, if you follow my plan, he says, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity and I will gather you from all the nations, places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place which I carried you into exile. Now, God says, don't worry, I have a plan couple of things, I, before I jump into a very simple, simple New Year plan for you, I want to establish in your heart the importance of a plan. God and plans. God's plan. Plan God's and goals. Uh, God and goals. This is it. First thing I want you to realize is this, that God has a plan for you. All right? He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. I want you to know God has a plan for you. Everybody raise your hand for every single person, even if you're lazy today. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. If, even if you're lazy, some of you are not raising your hand because you're like more than lazy. You're extra lazy. <laughs> Guess what? God has a plan for you. Every person who has your hand up, God has a plan for you. All right. You can put your hand back down like you're going on a roller coaster ride. That's great. God has plans, and it's a good plan, and it's a hopeful plan. All right? That means there's good things that are going to happen when you understand God's plan. Second thing about this passage I want you to know is that sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes God's plans take some time. He says this. He says, after 70 years are completed, I will come to you. How long did Jeremiah have to wait for God's plan to happen? It's right up on the screen. 70 years. Yes, very good. 70 years. His plans are not always our plans. They may not happen now. It may not happen this year. It may not happen next year. You know what? There's a lot of plans you have for your life. There's a lot of plans that God has for your life. They may not happen in 2015. You know, we have plans for our church. We have a a vision that we believe God has put in our heart and uh, in our leadership's heart and in my heart for our church. And I believe these are plans by God to do something great. And you know what? It may not happen in 2015. It may not happen in 2016. Now, unlike Jeremiah, God didn't come to me and say, Ted, in five years or in 10 years, this is going to be the plan when it's going to happen. He doesn't say that very often, but he has a plan and he did tell them 70 years and that plan's happening. It doesn't always happen right away. His timing is always right. Ours 
is often rushed. Here's the third thing I want you to know is that we need to learn to make plans. We need to learn to make plans. All right, well, God has a plan. It's a good plan, and sometimes his plans don't happen right away. But even in the midst of all that, at the beginning of 2015, you need to have a plan for your life, for your year, for this. You need to have some goals. God believes in goals. In fact, this is what he says to them. He says, you will call upon me and pray to me. He says, you will seek me with all of your heart. He says, man, you have got to get in your heart a plan to be active in pursuing me. Some of us just showing up to church or, or waking up in the morning and hitting the snooze or hitting the alarm and taking showers and going to work. That somehow, if we just walk and eat breakfast and survive and have lunch and make it home, that somehow we're going to connect with God's plan. No, God says you need to have a plan to connect with me. You need to seek me. You need to pray to me. You need to pursue me. And he didn't just say a little bit. He says with all of your heart. He says, when you seek me with all your heart, we have a part to play in his plan. We have a role in his plan. When things are are not going our way, we can trust he has a plan because we're seeking his will. Things don't just happen. We need to learn to do them. Our walk with God doesn't just grow. We need to have a plan to, uh, to have a grow plan them aim at nothing and you'll hit it every time proverbs 21 5 says the plans of the diligent lead to abundance i tell you making plans and setting goals uh is god's plan when you when you don't i think you're going to be missing god's plan for you which is to have a plan here's the fourth thing i want you to know before i give you a simple simple new year's goal Very simple. Four things, simple New Year's goal, every one of you can do. I want you to know this. The last thing is that we need to find what God's plans are, and we need to make those our plans. Very simple. All right? So what's your plan for 2015? It's very simple. Find God's plan and then make that our plan. Because if you have your plan and it's not God's plan, you're fighting against God. And guess who wins when you fight against God? God wins every time. In fact, if you fight against God, you lose in everything. But if God is for you, who can be against you? So when you find his plan, guess what happens? You get God on your side. So if you will find his plan and then make his plans your plans, and this year will not be a year of resolutions, but a year of a soul revolution. It will be a life-changing event. Um, So let's do that. Let's make this a, a year of real change for all of us in this room. So I want to give you real quickly a simple New Year's plan. All right, simple plan, a true soul revolution. By the way, last week we uh, we talked about the soul revolution and we took kind of how to have a soul revolution. And uh, some of you guys weren't here; you're out of town. So holidays, when it's posted online, I want you to want you to begin the year, uh, you know, by by plugging into God and going back and listening to last week's message. It was a it was an important message for our church. 
So um, to start this simple new year, let's read a familiar passage in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, that's emotionally, with the very core of who you are, with all of your soul, that's a supernatural spiritual connection, and with all of your mind, that's with your intellect and with all of your strength that's with all of your body your actions your actual physical body is to be an object of of love to the lord he says that's the first love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and the second is this love your neighbor as yourself there's no other commandment greater than these so here's a very simple simple new year's plan you ready number one is this set your heart and mind to love god deeper this year just to love God deeper. Can you imagine, have you ever thought about the fact that you can actually love God better? That you can actually love God more? That you can actually connect with him in more intimate, powerful, moving ways? That you can love God with your heart, yes, and with your soul, yes, and you can love God with your mind? You can love God with what you put in your brain and what you put out of your brain and what you think and what you read and what you watch. You can love God with your strength, with your body. You can love him deeper. So set in your heart and mind to love God deeper. Do you, do you realize you can actually love God more tomorrow than you did yesterday? You ever heard of the phrase, you know, if you've been married, you know, man, I just love my wife more and more every day. You know, I thought I loved her when I got married. Man, I mean, I proposed to her. I was ready to spend my life with her. But man, I've been married 22 years last month. And I can honestly say I love and know my wife more today than I did, you know, 27 years ago when I met her. All right. Now, do you know it's possible to do that with God too? That you can love God more today than you did yesterday. Some of you gave your life to Jesus, man, and yours. Man, thank you, Jesus. You love me. I love you. You gave me your life. But as you grow with God, you should learn to love him deeper and greater and have a deeper, more passionate, more intense, greater understanding and love with God. How can we learn to love God deeper this year? To know Jesus and his character, to walk with him, to commune with him, to love deeper to, to, to know that, that we are his and he is ours and, and that when you're at work and when you're in a home that he is with you and he loves you and you can love him and you can have fellowship with him. I tell you what, I, I've learned in, in almost every prayer that I ever pray privately, public, whenever I'm talking about God to anybody, the words, I love you, Jesus, or I love you, God, I love you, Jesus, are, are premier premiere two things that end up coming out in every single prayer i love you and thank you those two things will change your life if you can learn to love god greater and intensely and focused and be more grateful and thankful in his love for you it will change your life here's second thing and it's in that second patch it says you'll love your neighbor as yourself and this is this set your mind set your heart and mind to love others greater let this be the year where you become a great lover, finally. A great lover, a lover of people. He says, you know what? If you love me and you love me greatly with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he says, man, naturally what's going to happen is you're just going to love other people greater. 
Your love for me will be shown in your love for others. Those two verses are inseparable. That's why every time they're mentioned, they're together. He says, if you love me, you love people. You can't truly love people without loving me. They are intertwined. So people say, well, I love Jesus, but I hate people. Well, then you need to really get on your face with Jesus. Because you can't hate people and love Jesus. Because guess what Jesus loves more than anybody else? People. (laughs) Probably not you, but people. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sure he loves you just as much as anybody else. Because God so loved the world, the world's people, that he gave his only son. God loves people. And if we don't love people, then we're missing a relationship with God issue uh, factor in our heart. How can we learn to love God? How can we learn to love people? If we love God deeper, our natural relationships will change. Our relationships pivot on this. What does it look like? This is what it looks like. These are some things I want you to set in your heart to love people greater in. Uh, Being a person of compassion. You know, when you, instead of flipping the channel, when you see those hurting on TV, those infomercials, you should pray or find a way to connect with people who are making a difference to help those people. When you see someone in need in town or at work or a friend, if you see a broken heart, people should not annoy you. They should move you with compassion. There are some that are, this is, I'm letting you on the inside scoop of the leadership thing. In the leadership circles, we have what's called EGRs, extra grace required. There are people that are EGRs. They're extra grace required. Those people that don't annoy me, I have great compassion for them. You may be one of them. Aren't you glad I have compassion for you? Bring Uh, Being a person of compassion, being a person of generosity, being a generous person is a response of love that we have. You know, the reason why we give a living way is because we love our community and we love that lives are being touched. And this is our role in reaching the world. So we become a generous person, being a person of humility. You know, nothing looks more like love than humility. Someone who's, who's taking the back seat, letting someone else be above them, before them, in front of them, to esteem someone higher than yourself, that's love. Man, pursuing that in a greater way, being a person of kindness. I tell you, man, the world would be such a beautiful place if we could just be kinder. I'm so sick of unkind people. <laughs> this sounds so bad when I say it because it makes me sound like I'm mad, but I get mad. It, 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 it just arrogant, pushy, snobby, gotta be First people just makes me frustrated. Can't we just be kind? Man, that's a fruit of the spirit. Did you know that? If you are a follower of Christ and the spirit of God is moving in you, guess what? You'll be kind. You'll be greater in your kindness when you know God greater and walk in his spirit. Being a person of kindness, being a person that listens, being a person of justice. When you see injustice around the world, when you hear of those that are being abused, you don't just pity them. You move to compassion and you do something because Christians are the Justice League. We are the Justice League. We are the Avengers. We are the ones who rise up and make a difference against injustice in the world because we love greater than the world. Being a person who cares about others. 
See, these are marks of someone who loves greater. Can you set in your heart and your mind to love greater this year? No need to wait on this one. You can start now. This would immediately change the world. This would start a revolution if we could love God deeper and love others greater. It is possible to grow in our love for others. Look at what it says here in Philippians 1, 9. It says, and this is my prayer that you, uh, that your love may abound more and more. He says that you grow in love, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. He says that it's intentional, that you intentionally grow in your love more and more, abound more and more, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Because you're in Christ, you grow in love. And when you do, discernment between right and wrong follows. And when your motivation is loving others, the response is a holy life because we live based on our love for others. Do you know that? There's certain things I don't do because I love my wife. There's certain things I don't do because I love my kids. Not because there's rules against it or because I have to, but because I love my wife, I have certain things and certain, certain things I don't do and certain things I do because of my love. Love is the greatest motivation for righteousness this world has ever seen. And if we could learn to love the people around us greater, our righteousness would, would abound more and more as well, is what this passage says in Christ. Here's the third thing, simple plan. Love God deeper, love others greater. Number three is set your uh, heart and mind to simply pursue the things of God. Pursue the things of God. Chasing the things that God chases and the things that God thinks. This is an intentional goal that we must set. Colossians 3, 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts... That's your deepest passions and pursuits. Set your heart on things above. That means chase, pursue the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind. That's your dreams. That's your goals. That's your plans. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. He says, pursue the things of God. You know, we're going to be unpacking this a little bit more next week. We start a new series called Rooted. Uh, and it's a series on the book of Colossians. We're going through the book of Colossians this winter, this spring, uh, January, February. And it is so rich in practical growth. Uh, it covers everything from marriage to kids to job to what you think and believe about Jesus. It covers so much, and it's a tiny little book. And we're going to pick it apart starting next week. But this passage is out of there. He says, set your heart and your mind on a new way of looking at things, God's way of looking at things. Pursue the things of God. Second Chronicles puts it this way in chapter 22, verse 19. It says, devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God so that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to the God in the temple um, that will be built for the name of the Lord. He says, you're about to build a temple. You're about to build this beautiful place of worship uh, for the Ark of Covenant. And he says, as you're building this temple, set your heart, set your soul, devote yourself to seeking the Lord your God. Guys, listen, we are now that temple. We are the place where the Ark of Covenant, the Spirit of God sits and dwells in the temple of the follower of Jesus Christ. And as the temple, we are called to do the same thing. Devote your heart and soul 
to seeking the Lord as your temple is being built every day. That's a process in the Bible called sanctification, where you're slowly being built into a new person of holiness set apart. Philippians 4 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. He says, man, there's a whole new way of making choices. I want to give you some tips real quick on how to make some wise choices this year. This is something I give to my kids. This is something that I uh, teach my daughters, and we're still walking through how to use these in a practical way every day. We're not always perfect at it. They're not always perfect at it, but this is a great four questions will help you to make wise choices. Here's the first one. Does it honor God? Does what you're doing Does what you're seeing, does what you're reading, does what you're acting out, does that activity, does does your life, does this group, does does that music, does it dishonor God? That means does it contradict his words? Does it contradict his standards? Does it contradict his being as to who he says and what he thinks about this life in this world? Question number one, does it dishonor God? Number two, does it dishonor his creation that he loves? And when I talk about creation, does it dishonor? What does he love? He loves this planet because he says it's good. And he loves the people of this planet who he gave his son for. So does it dishonor human beings? Does it disrespect his creation? Animals, uh, does it disrespect the things that he loves? Does that group, does that music, does that movie belittle people? Does God gave his only Son, for people, we should not participate, promote, or encourage things that dishonor people because it breaks the heart of God. Question, does it dishonor God? Question number two, does it dishonor his creation who he loves, uh, that he loves? Number three, does it help you to know God better? Does what you're doing actually help you to know him better? You know what? There are movies and books and, and, and places and, you know, there's a lot of things that help you to know God better. They, they're just, they help you to know him, to see him, to grow in him. They, they can be challenged. Now, there's a lot of things that I consider neutral. You know, so let's take an obvious example. Some of these old Beatles songs, you know, I want to hold your hand. All right. Yeah. I want to hold your hand. Oh, please tell me something. Boom, 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 boom. I want to understand. Anyhow, so you're like, that's a neutral song, right? That doesn't dishonor God. That doesn't dishonor God's people. That may not help me to know God better, but it's a neutral song. And you know what? There's a lot of neutral things in this life. There's a lot of neutral movies, books, movies, magazines, things that we do throughout the day. There's a lot of neutral stuff that doesn't help us to know God better or help us to you know, not go, know God better because there are certain things that will definitely help you not to know God better. Hanging out with certain friends, going to certain places, they, they actually can pull you away from God. But there's a lot of neutral. Here's what I would say about the neutral things. Be careful about how much neutral you put into your life. Because if you fill your life with neutral things, it leaves you empty. And people who fill their lives with empty things usually end up depressed They end up angry, they end up unfulfilled, and they're people that feel 
apathetic all the time. They're just unmotivated. You know, like, for instance, video games are neutral. But someone who plays them too much becomes empty, apathetic, and depressed because they have, it removes all motivation because neutral stuff does just that. It doesn't motivate you good or bad. It's neutral. There's nothing wrong with the neutral. Just limit your diet on the neutral. Does it help you to know God? That's what you want to do more of, less of the neutral. Here's the last thing is, does it help you to be a better person? Does it shape you into the person God's called you to be? Does it help your character? Does it help you to, to live a more grace-filled life? Does it help you to be a, more holy unto Christ? Let's try it out. Think about a job. Think about a movie that you're going to today. Think about uh, a college choice that you want to go to, an opportunity, a big move. Maybe you're thinking about moving someplace. Uh, think about uh, a band, your favorite group. Uh, think about an event, uh, things that you do with friends, a Friday night event, something you did the last weekend or this coming weekend, a night out. Put it to the test. Does it dishonor God? Immediately that drops a lot of stuff. Number two, if it gets past, does it dishonor people, his creation, things that God loves? Well, that, if it gets past that, does it help you to know God better? Well, if it's neutral in all those areas, well, does it help you to become a better person? These are things that will help you to make wise choices to help you to pursue the things of God better. Here's the last thing of this simple, simple plan. Love God greater. I'm sorry, love God deeper. Uh, love people greater. Pursue the things of God. And the last thing is pursue the truth of God. Make this year the year that you intentionally plan on growing in your understanding with God. Being intentional about being at church. Being intentional about reading your Bible. Being intentional about uh, filling your life with the truth of God. First Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, some of you have tasted that the Lord is good and you bowed the knee and you said, Jesus, come into my heart, but you're just little babies and you're not thirsty. You're not hungry for the truth. He says, crave the truth like a baby craves milk so that you can grow up in your salvation. Some of you have been a Christian a long time and have never grown up. Some of you have stopped growing. And last year maybe was a year where you didn't grow much. Well, it's time to pursue the truth of God. What do you think would happen if you knew more of God's word? How would your life be different? This could be the year that you finally grow up. What do you want to grow up into? What kind of person do you want to be? I want to end with this verse and I'm going to pray with you. Look what happens when we do this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Let's read this together, uh, or at least follow along with me. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Now, salvation cannot be added to. You cannot say Jesus plus anything to equal salvation. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus alone brings us salvation. Why does he say add to your faith. He says, add meaning along with your faith. You can't add to your salvation. You're saved through Christ alone, but it's time to add to that knowledge, to that understanding of who you are. He says, make every, every everybody say, make every effort. Every effort to add, to bring along with your faith. He says this, what, he's, what are the things? Goodness. That means compassion. 
We talked about that earlier. A deep sense of caring for others and goodness for others. And to goodness, knowledge. That's the truth. That you grow and you make every effort to add to your faith, knowledge, truth. And to knowledge, self-control. Guess what that is? That's holiness. Make every effort to add to your salvation, to bring along with your salvation a sense of holy living. And to self-control, perseverance. I love that. That's patient endurance. There's this sense that you're not a quitter. You're you're not going to give up on your marriage. You're not going to give up on your kids. You're not going to give up on your faith. You're not going to give up on that plan. You're not going to give up on pursuing the truth of God and being a greater lover of God and of others. But a sense of perseverance and a perseverance godliness. That word godliness means reverence. That there's a sense of deep awe and respect with God. You're not flippant about your prayer life or about talking to God or, or, or being in the presence of his spirit. You, you take seriously, there's a sense of, of reverence and a godliness, mutual affection. The word there is the same word for love, which is phileo. It means add to that a sense of family love. That's the church. He says, make every effort to add to that a sense of family love for each other. And he says in verse 8, He says, oh, and to mutual affection, agape love, which means the powerful kind of love that changes lives. He says, if you do this, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if you make every effort to pursue these things, you will be effective and productive. How many of you guys, don't raise your hands, how many of you guys into last year and thought, you know what, I could have done so much more. There's so many goals and plans that I set and I failed at, so many resolutions, I just gave up on them. We'll make every effort. How many of you guys left last year and thought, man, I just felt ineffective, I just felt unproductive. Well, if you do these things, this simple plan, Just knowing God's plan and making his plan, your plan, if you do these simple things, you will be effective and productive. That's what it says right there. So here's the plan. Love God deeper, love others greater, pursue the things of God, pursue the truth of God. I challenge you to do this this year. It's a very simple message, very simple challenge. Some of you guys, you know all these things already. You just don't live them. So it's a challenge to begin 2015 with a simple plan to make God plans your plans and watch a soul revolution happen. As I mentioned earlier, my father had passed away this past year and uh, uh, did not get to see him on my way there. Um, many of you guys have heard me mention him in my sermons and messages over the years. And I tell you, it's the grace of the Lord. You, you don't know what this year will have for you. January 1st brought the death of my father. His uh, bout with cancer uh, was lost. We, we don't know what this year will have for you. We don't know if your family members will pass away or if you will get sick or you'll win the lottery. You shouldn't be playing the lottery, by the way. But if you do, feel free to give me some. Um, you don't know what this year will have. 
But I promise you, if you will make every effort to love God deeper and to love people greater and to pursue his way of looking at life and pursue the things of God and to pursue the truth of God, no matter what comes your way, you'll be prepared because you'll have the love of God, the love of your family and your church and your community and your friends and the truth and the knowledge of who God is and his understanding and perspective on things that you're able to accomplish and move through any trial that happens this year. I know because I'm there and the Lord has been with me. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that uh, you are good to us. God, I pray that this year would be your year. God, this would be the year that you take the reins. If you're here today and you're, you're sitting in these seats, would you just take a moment to talk to God and say, if you want to make this a year of not resolutions, but a year of a soul revolution, where, where, where you have a fresh start, a new beginning, a, a sense of a, a new plan, a new direction, that, you know, what's 215 have, uh, 2015 have for you? It's this, love God deeper, love others greater, pursue the things of God, pursue the truth of God. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's a, that's a plan greater than running 20 miles. That's a plan greater than losing a certain amount of weight and making a certain amount of money and getting out of debt. That is a plan that is greater than buying a house or getting married. That is a plan that will bring life change forever in you. For eternity. That's an eternal investment plan. I want to challenge you just to take a moment right now to say, God, here's my life. Here's my plans. And I give them to you and I take up your plans. Just talk to God for a minute about that. Just say, Jesus, I want your plans for my life. I want your will for my life. I want your way for my life. Can you tell him that? Go ahead and tell him. Jesus, here's my plans. I want your life, your plans, your will for my life. Forgive me for going my own way and doing my own things. It's no wonder they never worked. God, here's my life. Forgive me of my sin. Here I am, Jesus. This is not my year. This is your year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.